Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today we are going to be talking about the last disc of the box set, which I truly love. And today I have my buddy Brian from Long Island, New York. How you doing, buddy? Good, Jerry. How you been? Good. You staying safe over there? Trying, trying. Every day is a different struggle, but family's doing well. So that's all I could ask for. That's, that's all that matters. You know, so anyway, so I'm you and I, we've talked before. We've talked tremendously, you know, long amounts of time talking about our favorite band here. And I was like, you know what? I gotta get them on, I gotta get them on one of these discs. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm well, glad to have you. Um, yeah, thanks but, for the opportunity. Absolutely. So just a little bit of an overview of, of this. This uh, box set was released in November 16, 2004. It was to celebrate 20 years of the band at the time and uh, marking 100 million Bon Jovi fans, or, 100 million records sold. And so they called it 100 million Bon Jovi fans, I can't be wrong. And uh, the cover, they copied what Elvis did when he did, reached 50 million. So I yep. thought that was yeah. kind of cool. So th this is like the holy grail for diehard fans. This is you absolutely know, just full of outtakes and demos and, you know, really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, um, so what, what's your memory of getting this for the first time? Uh, a friend right, of mine. Let's get it out of the way. Make me jealous. <laughs> so I had a copy already. And um, then I went uh, with a friend of mine to the Borgata show. We were there the night they did all the songs um, that aired uh, like on a pay-per-view and then eventually on a DVD. Um, and for that one night only, they were selling these, which is autographed copy uh, by all that four guys. One day. And for everybody out there who wants Jerry to have this, we'll discuss at the end how Jerry can get this. So this has never left this case since the day after the Borgata show. I never opened it, um, actually physically opened it. I just opened it now to take out the disc for, do, for doing this because I don't have my other copy anymore. So it cracked open basically like a new book. Um, so it's just funny to revisit everything again. I burned everything onto discs so I didn't have to ruin that. And constantly open and take out the disc to and fro so that has literally been sitting there for 17 years in that case so you got it at the the borgata show the borgata show it was one night only they were offering them i went up to the merch stand before the show and i went oh my god and i just i couldn't hand over the money fast enough how, how much was it then uh a hundred it was a hundred because it was a hundred bucks I remember the box set itself. I think I got mine. And I'll, I'll tell my story here in a second. But I got mine at Kmart, and I think it was like seventy bucks or something. You know, mm -hmm. Kmart was the right price too, so maybe you know Walmart retail maybe fifty. But now you can find it anywhere for like five bucks. Just, exactly. It, which is a, a steal for anyone that doesn't have it right now. You know, you can get it on like any like eBay and blah blah blah. But absolutely. I mean, like that. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it was massive. Yeah. The, so, the, okay. the funny part is with that, with the box set, and we saw the track listing, I was a tape trader. I've been a fan since 85. And in the late 80s, early 90s, when all you guys were still babies, because I'm an old man, um, we used to no. tape trade. I'm 50. And we used to, I used to find people online in the early stages of the internet, and we would trade cassettes, audio cassettes. And I had people from all over the world, from this show or that show, and a lot of these unreleased tracks made it I, I heard a lot of these before they ended up on the box so to hear a finished ob-esque clean version was just 
so much different. It was so much better. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my story about when I how I got introduced. So I became a fan when I was eight years old in 2000. So by the time the box that came out, I was a, I'll call myself a diehard because I was a, a huge fan. So I was a huge fan for about four years now. And this, like I said, was a November release, you know, a month before Christmas. And so I begged my dad to dad, there's nothing more that, because I got crushed on the first day, one long night on the first day. Oh, yeah. I was right, you know. And uh, so I was like, dad, I got to get the box on the first day. Because he told me he was going to get it for me for Christmas. I said, we got to get it on the first day, though. So after begging and pleading my dad and doing a bunch of chores, I was 12 at this point. And so my dad took me to Kmart the day it came out and uh, we got it. And then I wasn't allowed to listen to it or do anything. I was just <laughs> look at it. And then it was going to be wrapped up when we got home. I begged him. We, it, and it was about an hour drive home. And I said, Dad, please. You know, I was reading these off. Like, these are all songs that I didn't know yet. Sure, yeah. And uh, the only stuff that, you know, I just finished collecting the whole catalog of their music. And so thank, thankfully my dad said, okay, I'll let you listen to one disc and that's it. So for some reason, and it's my favorite disc of the whole box set, I, I picked disc three. And um, and then when we got home, I had to give it back. and Put it away. <laughs> Christmas Day, even though I had already opened it, this is the first gift I went under the tree to find it <laughs> and nice. uh, reopened. But honestly, that whole winter of 2004, that's this is all I listened to because there's you know over 40 songs here. Oh, absolutely. DVD and you know, this is and this is before YouTube, as as you said a little bit ago, you know, before YouTube days. So you know, it's truly like I said, it's the holy grail for diehard fans like us. You know, this is something that huge fans really appreciate. Absolutely. So, well, how about Never we start digging since. into so before we get into the, the disc four? Two questions. What's your sure. favorite song out of the whole box set? I know you and I have discussed this on Twitter, and it seems to change. <laughs> um, sorry, everybody. I'm looking at the track listing again. So, from starting all over again goes back to New Jersey. So that was always a fan favorite. Um, Last Chance Train was always a favorite. Uh, I, I, you know, Edge of a Broken Heart, I was I was around when that broke on Z100 in New York. It was on the top five every night and everybody was requesting that song. Um, th th it's, as I said, it just changes so much. Uh, Memphis Lives in Me by David. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. That's what sparked, you know, the Memphis play. I went to go see that on Broadway. It was amazing. Um, Last Man Standing, of course, but we heard that in multiple inclinations. So right now, I'd have to say probably maybe someday. Oh, okay. Just, yeah, right now, that's that's the one uh, I've been gravitating to uh, more so. It, it, like I said, my favorite. See, and it changes right again because I told you on Twitter what I what I enjoyed, and that was Satellite. So actually, no, I'm going to stick with satellite. Okay. Now, how about how about you tell me disc four when we get to that song? You tell me what your absolute favorite is. On disc four? Yeah, but don't tell me until we get to the song. Yeah, you got it. You got it. All right. So the first track is well, actually, we know we'll combine the first two tracks is "Love sure. and That's the four-letter word, and this was 
written for this is a keep the faith demo and so mm -hmm. they, they did a demo and then i think john was actually going to put it on the album but then i think it was like one of the last minute one of the last few songs that got, actually got pulled um so let's see here so the second one is the demo the first Correct. track is the unreleased uh version obviously the original is better but it's nice you know just like always and some be saturday night live it's really cool to see the demo and then and then compare it to the version so that was nice. absolutely so this whole mean yeah the the meaning of this song is all about spousal abuse um john said that and, and i think it's pretty clear too you know what it's about um one of my favorite things about this song is the horns and the lyric and the key changes. <laughs> you should see my notes. <laughs> You're saying the same exact things I wrote down. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you finish and then I'll, no, I'll no, just. No. I got a, I got a bunch of notes. Let's hear. Let's hear what your uh, overview the, of the song is. The the original the the really unreleased version. The groove is better. Um, the horns made it a lot better than the dead. That's what I said. Horns are a great touch on the the finished version. Um, this to me is Southside Johnny. This song is all Southside Johnny. It has um, a heavy feel to it. It had the groove, and when I first, I'll never forget the first time I heard it. I went, "Okay, this is different." And then it twisted with the horns, and I went, "Oh my God, this is Southside Johnny playing this in Asbury." That's that's all I heard. And I, then you know they're going through the lyrics. I said, you know, I looked at it. He cheated, and she chose herself. He beat her. Like even the twist of the harmonica. Uh, bringing back the harmonica on a track towards the end, um, where the demo version had a completely different groove, no horns, and it just felt flat. It felt like a, a demo. Um, yeah. And it, it was more less of a story than the completed version in terms of the songwriting. Yeah. Um, but I just it was just a great song. I mean, the demo version, I was like, eh, because you're so used to the finished product. Absolutely. Where I liked... I liked the alternative these days. I liked the alternative um, always. Yeah, because fans like you and me, we really appreciate those demos because it, we can see the efforts and the hard work it took to, you know, you know, we, you know, sometimes as fan or you know, anybody, we hear a song and think, wow, that they did a good job on that. But we don't know all the work that went involved in you know, writing it, finding the right chords to it. Yeah, you know, demos. You know what it takes to actually complete the 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 uh, the end product of that song. I mean, who decided uh, to put horns in it? That that was just you know. Yeah. From the from you the know, dip You know, and speaking of horns and all that, you got to give credit to the harmonica. I love yeah. the harmonica in it. That's, that's when we right. first heard. You know, it came out on New Jersey tour when he first started playing it. Um, it was towards towards a born to be my baby. And I was there at Giant Stadium in 89. And you see him clap and he grabs, somebody tosses him the harmonica and everybody just lost his mind. It's like, it's just a harmonica. But you know what I started, what, what I purchased a week later? A harmonica. <laughs> he, he does a great job in the harmonica in this song. I really like it. Yeah, absolutely. Another last favorite of mine on this song is, I love the John's background vocals in the end, along with the, the women that are singing in the background too. But you know, when he's singing, it ain't nothing, it ain't nothing now, baby, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. when he does it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, kind of, it, it takes me back to the Blaze of Glory album for some reason, just the way that he Absolutely. Uh, sings that. What's your favorite lyric? 
Uh, actually, I have it. It was the bridge. Forget your mama's rosary beads to get you through this time of need. You know, you got to cross that line. You take it one day at a time. You took me. And, it, and it's right there. Yes, right there. Yeah. <laughs> was, that was mine, too. Um, all right. <laughs> Next track. Uh, River Runs Dry. This was written for These Days album. Mm -hmm. And it was written by John and Desmond Child. I, it's a good song, but I can see why it was an outtake. Um, yeah. I think the whole meaning of this song is making a promise, but you know, you're unable to keep it because of desperate times, you know. See, and I thought I thought it was the guy was going to jail. You think so? See, <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I'm like, is he going to jail? Yeah, I, I really wonder wonder what you know what influenced John to write this. What the Yeah. But uh anyway, so what do you think of the song in general? I liked it. Um, I liked the chorus had the amazing vocals. Everything leading up to the chorus was like, eh. But when it starts, you know, everybody knows the promise of the river and the song changes, goes to that next, next aspect. Yeah. I'm like, that's the song. Everything leading up to it, I was like, eh. I was like, for, for Desmond to write that with him, I was expecting just a little more. So, yeah. but the hook was good. And then again, the bridge. Oh, I remember when the rivers ran high. Oh, and we can make it to the other side. Yeah. But then he hits that next, make it to the other side, and I went, that didn't need to be in there. I Just to me, I was like, eh. See, so, that's my favorite part of the song, though, was when he uh, says, make it to the other side. I love yeah, that. Yeah, when, when he stopped and it went silent. You know, I, I like that guitar intro, that acoustic mm -hmm. intro. But for some reason, I wish they would have kind of tweaked that a little more. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and then but, um, the second to last, um, there's nothing anybody could do when the river runs dry. I put the note. I didn't like the vocals going up at that point. I was like, it just was like a reach, oh, and I went, "Why?" So that was like the highlight for me of the song is when. Ah, uh, you know, for me, it's this, like this song demonstrates a lot of John's incredible vocals, especially you know these days era. Um, but I. You're gonna call me crazy here, but I would actually like to see this song get performed during a runaway trip. I would, but I would like to tweak, like you said, tweak it. I mean, he's not gonna hit those notes anymore. No, I mean, we no, all gotta no, be no. honest on here. So maybe if he did an acoustic version of this, maybe with Everett backing him up at some point, or or you know, even the violin um, with Lorenza backing him up, something subtle. And yeah. uh, I love, I said, I love the chorus. I love the way it changes. It just the rest of the song is like, eh. Yeah. I can see why it was a demo. <laughs> well, we, we will never see this song live. No. John, yeah. John probably forgot about it too. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go my favorite lyric first, just in case you took mine again. Just another star in the sky, tried to touch it, but I couldn't fly. No, I, mine was mine was the bridge. Every I just where the the chorus starts. Everybody knows the promise of the river. Yeah, that was it. Those four lines. Hey, <laughs> let's go to the next one. Uh, okay, so the always demo. Side note: one thing I wish they would have done though was like dedicate a whole other disc on here, full of demos. You know, just the rough versions. Got, yeah, we only got Saturday night. Um, Always prayer, which we'll get to, mm -hmm. and yeah. then loving nothing but four letter word. So it would have been nice to kind of have a whole distance, see, you know, what the demos were, and then the, you know, the final cut. Anyway, so 
track four is the demo for always, which was originally, you know, and it was on um, Crossroads, obviously completely yep. different version. I do like the Crossroads version a lot more, but uh, I do love this version, especially with the uh, John's incredible vocals on it. I think those are really, really good. And how it has a heavier and amazing uh, piano sound. You know, you, you hear the piano more in, in here. Um, I think it's more of like an acoustic always, you know, because obviously Richard didn't do anything electric on this one. This demo. See, and this is where I'm going to get all the hate mail. I hated this version. Oh, man. Oh. I, here's all my notes. I hated the bridge vocals. They needed to let the music breathe more like it was on the final version. I thought it was too busy uh, with all the music and the, especially the bass. I hated the solo. Um, I, it just, they needed to get rid of the backing vocals on it. I mean, I know it was just a demo. Um, John singing at the end, the, the super high notes, more high than it was on the finished version. Uh, just to me, I went, maybe I said, maybe I'm just conditioned to the finished version. But when I first heard this, I went, I don't like this version. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I love it. I also love the uh, the band uh, vocals on the outro of it. You know, the way that they... Um, See, and I, it just to me, it was like, uh, I said yep. fade out backing vocals. Yeah. I don't like them. <laughs> um, we'll go to the next track then. <laughs> this, one, this one's a huge uh, fan favorite, at least in the, uh, uh, the, the diehard fan base. Kidnap an mm -hmm. Angel, which I think was written for Crush, and it was written by John and Billy Falcon. Yes. And it, it's truly a heartbreaking song, um, especially the bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, I think there's two meanings to this song. One is obviously, and, and the bridge is the perfect example of this meaning, is seeing your loved one die, you know, seeing yep. them in pain and, and dying. And then the other side of this song too is your loved one in heaven and wishing that you could kidnap them, bring them back and, and yeah, be with yeah. them again and stuff. So it's, it's a very heartbreaking song. And, you know, my, like I said, my favorite part of the song is the bridge. You know, when he lays that story down of going to the hospital, going to that room, sitting beside the hospital. I mean, and just the way that he delivers that vocally, I mean, that gives you goosebumps. I don't know about you, but Absolutely. every time you look that song i get goosebumps that especially that, that part there that was my notes i said i loved the story uh, uh the last six lines from where he'd say the word he'd tear down these walls that whole end i i just loved it yeah what i didn't love was the music oh it was the music behind it i just to me i i couldn't i would say i've been listening you know forever so I know what I like out of them. And I was just, I, for, for this particular version, um, not that they ever did any other version, but I just, I wrote, not a fan of the music, loved the note to his dying wife, and I loved the story. Yeah, song is so, a 10 out of 10 for me. This is probably one of the most <laughs> perfect songs on the box. I, I, I said, I, lyrically, yes. Uh, just music-wise, I thought, I was like, I, I, maybe I was expecting more. That yeah, That's well, me, I'm always expecting, with every new album, I'm always expecting more. I can see why it didn't make the Crush album, but I still think it's probably one of the best outtakes from the album. And I wonder where he got inspiration to write this song. Mm. I, I love it. So Next, he must, who knows, he may have saw something on television that would you know, spark a, a reason to write a song or whatever. 
Uh, next one is Breathe. Uh, this is for the Down album. Uh, and it was written by John Ritchie and, oh, what was his name? Um, I have it right here, Frederick oh, Martinson. Marty, Marty, Fred, yeah, Mar was, Marty Ferguson. Okay, Ferguson. I knew it was Marty something. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really I really enjoy uh, this song. I think, you know, I think the mean is pretty basic, but it's still good. You know, I think just, you know, taking a step back and, you know, but the title suggests breathe, you know, just yeah. taking back, chilling out and, you know, recollecting yourself. That was my note. One of my notes was not much depth in the songwriting. It was just basically but, but, like you said, but yet, but yet just it was, let it yeah. out. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's like one of my favorite lines of the song, just let it out, you know, let, let yeah. your stressors out, let all the bad just go. And, you know, it's, it was, it's good. Yeah. I liked, um, I wrote, the notes I wrote was uh, great backing vocals. Sonically, I love the softness of it. And then when it got to what I call the living on a prayer hook, uh, if all that we've got is each other, and then all that we got is a lot. And I'm like, that's yeah. just another living on a prayer twist. You see, I was going to say the same thing. And I was listening to the song last night. I was like, and so every time I hear that part, I always think living on a prayer. But it's still. Yeah. It's the catch line. It's a tagline for so many songs. Yeah, I, and I love the acoustic guitar in the beginning. You know, especially that verse, yeah. verse before the whole band kind of clashes. Yep. I really like that. Um, my favorite lyric of the song is the second verse, and I love how the guitar is in between each verse. You know, when John takes a quick second break, you know that. You know, but I had to say my favorite line here. She said, baby, you look down tonight. There's something wrong and that ain't right. I hear you talking in your sleep. I want to dive in your dreams, wrap my mm. love around you. I, I love that. And I love the way that he delivers it. I think that might yeah. be why it's my favorite part, just because the delivery to it, you know, and that guitar yeah. in between. The it was just right, just him with the guitar. It was awesome. Yeah. So next one is Out of Bounds. This is definitely, you listen to the sound and John's vocals. It, I They say that this was for Slippery, but it sounds 7800. But it, it's around the same, you know, within the same year. Yeah, I first, heard, I heard this before the box. I actually have this, um, yeah. a part of my tape trading and CD trading. Uh, I heard this, it was just, it was called the Slippery New Jersey Demos. Um, and it was a homemade cover and everything. And uh I heard this and I went, oh yeah, this is definitely just a yeah. throwaway kind of demo. Yeah, it, it was written by John Ritchie, and I think this was actually written for a movie, uh, Out of Bounds. I Out think of Bounds. Yeah. And I don't, did it make the movie? I don't think I, so. I never saw the movie. I don't think so. I never saw any credits or anywhere. Because he was writing that for that, and then Edge of a Broken Heart for Disorderly. Mm -hmm. um, but this was, um, you could, like you said, it's a throwaway song. <laughs> I don't mind it. It's not something I go and listen to, but like if it comes on, I'm like, okay, I'll listen to it, you know? Yeah. But you know what's funny about this song? Every time when they sing going down, 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 I always start singing in my head, two-story town. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've heard this, but 10 years because, later. Yeah. When they're doing going down, down, then I'm, I'm going down, 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 two-story town, you so, know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, it was like, it seemed to me like it was like some sort of mafia storyline. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, like, I, and I'm like, was he watching, I, I was like, Sopranos wasn't out back then. Was, did he have a Godfather moment or something? Or yeah. what would make him write this? 
I, I, my know, note. Yeah, I do love the drums and the guitar solo and John's vocals. I think that's probably the only good thing about this song. And you didn't but, think that was a drum machine? Yeah, I always thought that, but. It sounds like a, that's what that's one of my notes. It just sounds like a drum machine. But were drum machines. Maybe it was just them. Popular? Was it, was it drum machine even really used back then, though? Yeah, okay. it's just a track. You just, you know, back in, I used to have a drum, uh, electronic no, drum. You just press it and set yeah. it. And I'm sure they had the money back then, at least still, <laughs> to afford a drum. That's why, that's, that's why I'm wondering, though, if it was a track, because this is pre service This is before they were even big. Yeah. So maybe they didn't have the money for that. And they, it, you know, I mean, Tico's good, so... I don't know. Yeah, That's maybe a good it just to I, me it sounded like a, a, a technical, uh, a technological drum track, and I, I yeah. called it a, a writer's block song. But you had yeah. nothing else to write, and this just, it's just too too repetitive. The out of bounds, the out of bounds. I so, think it was just like okay. a practice song, just putting something together and seeing how it comes out. <laughs> See what sticks. Not, not that good, and you throw it away. <laughs> maybe but something else will come out of it. I do have a favorite lyric. A loaded gun needs no alibi out on the street where the truth is a lie. Uh, yeah. Now, mine was, you can't forgive what you can't forget. Cool. That's a good line. That's a good line. Good, mm -hmm. good model. Right. Right, let's go to the next one. Letter to a friend. This was written, I think this was written between Crossroads and these days. I, that's um, why, yeah. Right, somewhere around there. This was another one I had heard early. Uh, this is a I, this song had to grow on me over the years. To be honest with you, I I think I like and appreciate it a lot more now than I used to. I mean, back then I was I was okay with it. I think the whole meaning to this song is I think there's a, a double meaning here. I think one side of it is you know being a good friend and always being there for someone, but wanting more, especially when there's that line, um, "I ain't gonna love you because I love you." You know, and so when I listen to this song, have you heard the song Missing You by Tim? That's Tom exactly Lord? what I highlighted right there, that same lyric. <laughs> have you heard the song I Ain't Missing You by Tom Waits? Is it or John, John Waits? Missing John You Waits. by John Waits. Oh, yeah. A million I think times. it has that, you know, it's like, it's like that, like proving yourself, I ain't missing you, but I am missing you. You know, mm -hmm. like, so he's pretty much saying, I'm your friend, I'm always going to be there for you. I love you, but I can't love you. You know, like, yep. I, like, I know we can't go there, you know? But I ain't going to love you because I love you. That's said. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great song. Yeah. The, my favorite line of this is, nobody wants you like I want you. Nobody wants you like I want you. There's only one thing I wouldn't do. I ain't going to love you because I love you. Yeah. You know, I, um, but you have anything to say about this one? No, to me, uh, just it was basically what you said. It, what, what the title says it was just a letter to a friend. So I've written that letter. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I said I'm old. So um, no, I enjoy it. I, it's always that's one of the ones that's on my iPod. Yeah, it's good. Next one. So uh, uh, it's Temptation. It was I think it was a New Jersey outtake, uh, written by John. It was actually a B-side back in the '80s on one of the singles. I think "Born to Be My Baby" single. It was a B-side. Um, mm -hmm. Now, there's four Bon Jovi songs I do not like. Four. But, well, let me back up. 
Temptation was one of them. <laughs> now, last night, I was, I always skip Temptation because I don't, at least I didn't care for it. Last night, I said to myself, you know what? I like this song. So now I only have <laughs> three Bon Jovi songs that I don't like now. Three, not four, three. So if any <laughs> out of these uh, episodes, it's I Found a Love for Temptation. There you go. I did so, it. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's nothing, you know, spectacular but it's not a, it's not a bad song it, it's funny how songs can grow on you over time yeah to, to me this is, it's fever it's fever yeah it's the but same group as fever the the last 21 years i told myself i don't, I don't like this song i don't like this song now i love it so <laughs> what's your whole take on, on this song I my notes. I love the groove, but it's just the same as the song "Fever" that we've all heard Madonna and a million other people do. Or to me, this could have been a song written by Jim Morrison and performed by The Doors. Yeah. And I'm just like, I didn't get it. For me, I did, and I get it was a little bit of a different direction, but I'm just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, thank God they even put it on New Jersey. Yeah. And this is one of the smartest decisions in the band's history that has taken off. Absolutely. Um, my, my dog wanted to get on top of me here. Hi, buddy. And I couldn't tell what the story is about. I was like, is it about a prostitute? Is it about Adam Eve? I have no idea what the hell I should be. I, I think I think it's all about sex. You know, a young man and, you know, a sexual mind. You know, just temptation for a woman, whether it's a prostitute or, or anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm not that intelligent to know who the hell Democle uh, sees is, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> I went, okay, next. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do like the, the, and I was saying this over and over in my head last time because I haven't listened to the song forever. Twist my wrist, tell me I should resist, but the flesh is weak, here it comes. Yeah. Nothing, nothing screams young man louder than that. that <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It, it's definitely, it was best that it was an outtake, but. Uh, it's always a next track. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Uh, the next one is Gotta Have a Reason. This uh, this was pre-Crossroads. This is before yes. Crossroads, I think, was even thought about. This uh, was because, on my, again, that same disc I have of Slippery and New Jersey demos, I believe. That's why I heard it first. Um, well, it said 93. Yeah, John wrote it right out during Keep the Faith tour. That's what I say. This is well, when I got that disc. Everything was just labeled all the same. You, know, you knew some of the stuff on that disc was from Faith. So they just labeled it Slippery New Jersey demos. And yeah. the, the diehards who were trading at the time knew somebody just threw that on and they didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. They were just trying to sell bootlegs. Well, so this was written by John Ritchie and Michael Kamen. Um, this, this is probably one of my favorite tracks on this disc. Um, same same theory as Kidnap an Angel, which I forgot to mention, and uh, River Runs Dry. I'd love to see this one performed at a runaway trip, uh, yeah. you know, at a acoustic yeah. show. I don't think it'll ever happen. Uh, obviously, it probably won't. But uh, I, I think it's I think it has a really strong meaning behind it. Um, you know, and, and it fits with the whole Keep the Faith era vibe. You know, like this is pretty much another version of you know. The lyric "Keep the faith." You know, mm -hmm. you gotta have a reason to keep the faith. You gotta have someone or something to give you that faith to move forward. And it's good to believe in something 
a reason to chase after a dream or what have you. Um, but I'll let I'll let you 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 talk. This is my favorite song on the disc. Oh, hands okay. down. There is nothing even close to it. Um, just because mostly because they're demos, but um, it was a simple song, and uh, they let the vocals breathe. It has a lot of those, you know, what I call living on a prayer lines again. You know, if all we got is you and me, then that's all. Then what we've got is all we need. It's you know Tommy DeGener again. Um, you know the bridge. I believe in faith. I believe in us till my dying day. I just loved. It was just two guys with a guitar, the yeah. guitars, and that was it. It was simple. No, yeah. no, didn't need no, you know, bells and whistles with it. Yeah. Whether and, they meant to do it that way or they just it was a demo. Well, well, you know, let's back up real quick because I want to add to that. That's what probably the best part about the song is. It's pretty much just John and Richie, and you know, hearing Richie harmonize with John. I mean, this is one of those songs that they just do so well together. You know, kind of like Diamond Ring, Absolutely. Ride, ride Cowboy Ride. They just it's so dynamic. Good yeah, yeah, I think you're covering up your your camera, buddy. Oh, sorry. All my notes. <laughs> so, so, you have anything else you want to say about this one? Not just. I was surprised. Well, Michael Kamen, he was the conductor. He passed away a few years ago because he did stuff with Metallica. And to see a conductor write a song, I was kind of like, wow. Okay, um, there's not much real real depth to the song, but it didn't need it. And that's what I enjoyed about it. It was a simple lyric for a simple song. And I just, to me, like I said, it was my favorite on the album. Yeah. The whole disc four, I should say. I tell you, it's a bitch to play on guitar. I can't <laughs> the DF chord on it. Oh, man. It, but it, I want to learn to play it. It's yeah. just, I got to practice a lot. I, I, I shouldn't say it's really hard because I only tried, I tried to play it last night. And if I don't get it, the first time I play it, then yeah, I look at guitar tabs, and so I pull it up last oh, okay. night. I said like, I can't get that fucking uh, DF. <laughs> I gave up. So, so my my definition of hard probably doesn't mean that. <laughs> just keep practicing. That's what he tells everyone. Just keep practicing. It's like who says you can't go home? I told myself for the last few months I, I can't play that song. I got it now. I just. Looked at, I was like, why didn't I try this again? Because it's dead easy, you know, G, I know, <laughs> a, a minor. Anyway, Jackson. Nice. Sorry, Jackson Billy now. Um, so the next one is all I want to do is real. This was, I think, John originally wrote this during Destination Anywhere period, but then put it to the side, and then Richie and him redid it, revisited mm -hmm. it, and it was going to be a crush on Crush, and then they. I don't know if it was actually ever supposed to be on Crush, but I knew it was written during the Crush. Demo. It was written during the Crush era, yeah. And to me, this is, I mean, now again, I'm going to get killed for this, but you talked about the songs, you, the four, now three songs you can't listen to. Captain Crash and the Beauty Queen from Mars. That's my sit-down song. When they play that in concert, I sit down. To me, it was just a tongue-in-cheek kind of song, you know, and I know it's an audience participation song. I was like, well, now, never once have I gone to the bathroom in a 57 times I've seen them, but that's my, all right, I'm going to take a break for five minutes. And to me, this sounds just like that same kind of swing, that same, you know, the you and me, and then all I want to do is you. And I'm like, I, you know, it just it was a very tongue-in-cheek song. It wasn't a bad song. I just thought it needed a bridge somewhere in the middle. Take it to a different, or towards the end, take it to a different place for a bridge. Yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, the whole, go ahead, sorry. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. 
No, the last eight lines is just the repetitiveness. It's just like you could have thrown something else in there. So, yeah. As I said, and the ending could have had a catch lyric. You know, if any if any song needed a living on a prayer kind of ending, I thought maybe this could have been something like that, a hook or something. I was just and that's all my notes say is needed a bridge, a very tongue in cheek kind of song comparable to Captain Crash in the yeah. swing of the the music. Yeah. I, like you know, like you mentioned, this song doesn't really have anything to it. It's it's one of those fun songs you just listen, you know. Yeah. Not big yeah. Captain Crash either. I don't mind it, but it's definitely one of those uh uh, fun songs, you know. Sure. It was pretty much spot sex, I think. All yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I do the like the line. For I do like the line. Keep your high heels on. Take it nice and slow. Make it last till dawn. And, you know, and, and to back up, you know, Crush was actually originally supposed to be called Sex Sells. Sex. Yeah, I was at the bash when we demoed. We heard the demos. So I wonder if like this was one of those songs that was going to be on that album because it kind of fit the 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 style of it but you know thankfully they didn't call it sex cells and uh thankfully they didn't put this on the album yeah but uh it, you know just i don't think sex cells was like the you know if it was in the 80s maybe but in 2000 the band's been around for almost 20 years yeah as, you know so but uh yeah, sorry about my dog. He keeps uh, wanting to cut all stuff. So now you got. Yeah, when, we, when we were um, when we were at the tenth anniversary bash, and they said we're going to demo you some new songs. We heard songs like "Just Older," and that the title "Sex Cells" came out. And then when they had the Crush release party at the place Matt had owned at the time, Elements, and they said, "Why did you change from Sex Cells to Crush?" He said it just sounded better. There was really nothing more mystical behind it because it just Crush sounded better. Yeah. So it was just like out that I, I didn't care what the hell the title was. Just give us some new music. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Give it to him. I I tell you, you know, I wasn't a I was eight years old, so I didn't know about the band before that. But you know, looking back at history, I feel like Crush was really drawn out, like writing it, finishing it, releasing it. You know, because originally it was supposed to be out in ninety nine mm -hmm. and then it got to June two thousand. Yep. As I said, we heard the demos in August of '98 at the at the 10th anniversary, and then he said it'd probably be mid to mid '99, and then, yeah. like you said, it got pushed out again. So, the yeah. record business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next track. This is a song I really don't care for. It's is Billy uh, a woman? Well, let's back out. Uh, <laughs> so this one, the song's called Billy. It's for Keep the Faith album, written by John Ritchie. Like you just asked, I don't know if it's about a guy, if it's about a girl. I, I think it's, well, you don't know if it's written in a woman's point of view or if it's about a woman, but you don't spell Billy with a Y for a female. No. I don't know what the <laughs> hell they were thinking, what they were doing with this. Um, I really don't my know my notes were simple. Is Billy a woman? Um, the lyrics really don't tell me nothing, and but I love the music behind it. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't get it. I don't, you know, can we be lovers and friends? Who? <laughs> Him or her? <laughs> yeah. I, I like the line. Sometimes we break up to make up. We don't care who's to blame. Yep, so I had that I, highlighted. 
Obviously, not, not, not there's anything wrong with being gay. I don't think any of the band members are gay, so I don't think there's any inspiration from. Yeah, I mean, it's it for a debutante. You're you're not right a woman, but I love you just the same. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't get. Good thing. And that's why is, I turned the page on that one. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the next one now. But let me introduce this. Nobody's hero, and this was written during the crossroads these days, and I written by John Ritchie. Now. Here's a fun little fact. Now, this is before YouTube and you know the digital era and all that. On the box set, it does not say "Living on a Prayer" demo on here. So you just think that's nobody's hero on there and then done. Now, uh, now if you go on iTunes now, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, when there's technology, it, it says "Living on a Prayer" demo. So I remember listening to this, and I would start from the first disc to the end, and I remember listening to "Nobody's Hero," and I thought the song was over, and then all of a sudden you start hearing that funky guitar sound in that bass you know we'll, we'll, and we'll get to prayer yeah. here in a second but it's funny that they didn't credit their prayer on here but uh, so track. it was awesome so let's go back to nobody's hero i love this song yes i think it's all about you know you don't feel like you're worth anything but yet mm -hmm. you would do anything and everything for the one person that you love yeah. um that's what that was my note it was a lot it's a love letter yeah a sequel to the letter to a friend, basically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really love the line um, out on these streets. They're waiting for blind eyes to see. They're waiting for our cuts to bleed. They're waiting for you and me. You know, it's all about the ugly world that we're in. You, know, you can definitely sense that this was, you know, obviously written for these days there because it really fits into that uh, yeah. style of album. Um, I also like the piano intro. That's what I said. The piano emphasis, yeah. the great acoustic vocals. To me, this could have been another living on a prayer type anthem. I guess yeah. you could say, you know, uh, Tommy saying something, you know, saying this to Gina or something like that. Um, I didn't think it was such a departure from the songwriting uh, that they've done before. But for these days, this would if I heard this on these days compared to what these days was, I would have been like, ugh. So I think to put in this on the box rather than on the on the actual album, I enjoyed it more because they did yeah. this. Yeah, it, it's definitely. Um, it was good that it was an outtake, but I still enjoy it. Now, yeah. I, I think the best part of the song too is the powerful chorus. You know that, mm -hmm. that uh, it really has a good delivery to it. Yeah. Um, now when we get off, I'm going to listen to that song now. Uh, <laughs> So let's go to the, the prayer demo, which was the hidden gem back in 2004. Yep. Now, if you go on iTunes, you can find it easily. Anyway, um, this version is obviously a, a demo, and there's no talk box. Um, I really love uh, the guitar and the verses. I think the, the way that Richie was playing the guitar. And here's where I'll get first thing rhythm guitar is annoying. I know it's just a demo. I just, I'm like, oh my God, please just tone it down a little bit. Um, again, maybe just conditioned to the final version of it. Um, but it, again, I had to take it for what it was worth. It was a, an original demo. Richie doing the prayer, uh, living on a prayer high note, loved that. Um, the back, Richie's, Richie's backing vocals, fantastic. When they get to the end and they say, just hang tough. I'm like, oh, thank God they took that out. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. But I, 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 I guess, 
there was nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I really liked it, and it's a demo because it's a demo. No, absolutely, uh -huh. absolutely. I got, and I heard multiple versions of a, you know, the acoustic version, and there's so many versions out there. Um, just this particular one, I'm like, I, I again, maybe it was just a condition thing. Yeah. And I've been listening to it since '86, so now you know when it, this came out 15 years later, you know, or whatever, and I'm like 17. I'm like, eh. Yeah. But, I, I also like Richie's vocals. In yeah. This one. There's more of Richie than you know in the the final version. Obviously, you know you, you hear the whole band you know singing and stuff in the chorus, but in this version you get a lot more um, Richie, which is really cool, especially in uh, yeah. the Waho Living on Prayer. And yeah. I know you like it, but I do the you know you hang tough and yeah I, I love those little ad libs. That, that to me was just I was like oh thank God it just it was just 80s cheese and I went yeah. <laughs> So, I'm glad they they updated the lyric to that. Yeah, it was it definitely was a good outtake, but it's still a gem to you know be able to hear and all that. Oh, of course, you want to hear you know, to hear a different version. That that's that's why I got into tape trading was to hear the alternative versions or the live song. You know the 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 songs they would only do once live. I had to have that show. You know, or somebody walked out on stage. I had to have that show. So I would just tape trade tapes just for those reasons. Is those one-off yeah. specials like this? Yeah, um, I was I was gonna say something to that, but then it just slipped my oh, mind. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so I hope you know, forty years. I hope we get a five times as good box set as this. Um, yeah, I, that that's my worry. Um, you know, I've seen all the the rumors, or you know, what he's he's said at the previous fan club events or whatever. Um, but I hope we do get something like that, something we haven't, you know, whether he thinks we've heard it before or not heard it before, you know, maybe all the Christmas songs, uh, you know, something, something different. You know, we've, we've, they've released so many European, and as you know, from, you know, my collection and your collection, so many different versions. And this yeah. one's got these two tracks and this one's got these two tracks. Well, you don't think people have heard them by now, you know, yeah. prostitute wedding day, you know, oh, six, yeah. three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. So I'm hoping there's stuff from Lost Highway, uh, from you know, stuff uh, after from, 2004. Yeah, after that, I'm not a fan of 2020. I, I you know, or even What About Now. I like certain songs. Um, this house is not for sale. Again, I'm an old school fan. I go back to 7800. So there's song, certain songs, but as far as albums. The, the, you know, I, I like the meat and potatoes. I see where where Richie being gone has made the difference. And you and I have talked about it too. You know, just the way the the songwriting has changed, and you know, the 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 what I call the John Shanks influence. It's like, okay, he's done how many albums now? Let's, you know, when when he went to Mike Rue, there was a different change. When he went to the other producer, you know, Luke Evans, and it's just okay. You know, this is a different twist on things. That's what I think. If there is an album being done, we know Shanks is involved, but um, that's what I'm hoping the next box set brings is that where Obi knows the fans and Obi says, "Let's put this stuff out." Yeah, well, we'll see. So, anyway, yeah. uh, thanks for uh, staying on because you know we'll talk after this. But I want to sure. thank you uh, for coming on, and uh, it was great having a chat with you as we always do. Buddy. Thank you. I hope I didn't make anybody mad out there for my comments, but <laughs> you know. Okay. We're all entitled to our own opinions. <laughs> I'm just—I'm one of those fans that just 
I don't, I don't like to complain. I'm not, that's just my person. I don't complain about things. I like things for what it is. And, you know, I don't just, I just don't. Yeah. For me, it's, I always, I, when it comes to them and their music, I just, I always hope for more that next level. Yeah. That's all right. Thanks again, buddy. You got it, Jerry. Take care.